Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 36 of 2021, and we just wrapped up our virtual sales kickoff event. I'm Chris Louie, and despite sleeping through our past sales training, my co-host Brian managed to win Solutions Architect of the Year. Congratulations, Brian. Very well deserved. Well, shoot, man. That means a lot coming from a President's Club winner, the largest deal closer ever, and the SC of the year. So congratulations right back to you, brother. I guess that it's true. Birds of a feather flock together. Well, thank you. And someone who is back from sunny San Diego, Glenn Medina. Hey, everyone. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number 23. That is 2-3. So I'm back at home, and this week it was great celebrating the start of Zscaler's new fiscal year with our sales kickoff. Exciting times as I am co-hosting with two giants in the trade, Chris Louie, who is our SE of the year, as Brian had mentioned, and Brian Deitch, our, our uh, Solutions Architect of the Year. Congratulations, gents. No guests this week due to our sales kickoff and very fluid schedule, so it's just the three of us this week again. The three of us did achieve President's Club this year, so I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you in person and even possibly recording an episode of the podcast while we're together. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got several awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I think we should have our wives on with us for the PepCat podcast if we're in Costa Rica together. What do you guys think? That's what I I pitched that exact same thing to my wife, too. I don't even know if my wife knows what a podcast is, so... (laughs) What a spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll we'll pitch in. We'll we'll see if we can make that happen. Over drinks, too. We make it a lot of fun. We have two housekeeping items this week. I want to promote our Instagram account, so please find and follow us on Instagram at PebCAC Podcast. You'll get sneak previews of upcoming episodes, guests, and announcement when our new episodes go live. The second item is we are now available on Amazon Podcasts and Audible. If you have an Amazon Smart Assistant, and I won't say the name to trigger all of our listeners' Echo devices, just ask it to play the PebCAC podcast, and it will. Dude, that's pretty rad. And for everyone listening, like me, awesome. me and Glenn just kind of show up here and, and talk about stuff. It's The, the magic behind us is, is Chris Louie doing all this hard work. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no doubt, Chris. Thanks for uh, letting me tag along and ride on your coattails. So appreciate it. Sure, no problem. And thanks to our listeners for helping promote it. So let's get the get the word out there and expand our listener base. All right, on to our first topic. So this week, I gave you guys some homework to listen to the latest episode of the Darknet Diaries podcast, episode 99, which discusses a spying operation. This is not your typical government espionage to find out foreign policy decisions or military capabilities. This is about a private intelligence firm attempting to discredit private citizens. The story falls in an Israeli private intelligence firm called Black Cube. They hire ex-spies to conduct clandestine operations for a list of their clients. Now, who are their clients? Well, we don't know for sure, but we can make a very educated guess based on who Black Cube is targeting. The first part of the story has Black Cube targeting the female accusers of Harvey Weinstein, as well as Ronan Farrow, a New York Times reporter who was reporting extensively on the Weinstein case for 
those of you that might be out of the loop or our international listeners, Harvey Weinstein was this Hollywood producer. He got in trouble for uh, doing some things with some of the actresses, the young actresses in Hollywood that accused him of some, uh, I'll just call it wrongdoing, and uh, he eventually got convicted of it. The goal of the Black Cube operative was to obtain incriminating evidence against Harvey Weinstein's accusers and Ronan Farrow in order to either blackmail them into backing off or discrediting them in the public's eye. Black Cube would use spy tradecraft like sending Ronan Farrow a spam text and saying to unsubscribe reply with the number two. Now we, we get hundreds of these, or I mean not hundreds, but we, we get these all the time and, and you can either ignore them or you can unsubscribe from them, but it seems innocent enough, but every time he would reply and hit, say hit unsubscribe, it would send his geolocation back to Black Cube so they were able to track him that way without him knowing it. There are also hidden cameras, secret recordings, and a level of social engineering to try and get their targets to say something racist. The second part of the story talks about how Black Cube targeted reporters of Citizen Lab on behalf of a client. Citizen Lab does some extraordinarily great work researching and reporting on censorship and surveillance and how it affects human rights. They're particularly critical of the NSO group, which is the Israeli software company that makes the Pegasus spyware. Citizen Lab has published reports that NSO group is selling spyware to oppressive regimes to track dissidents in direct violation of Israeli export controls. Black Cube sent an operative to meet with a reporter at Citizen Lab to talk about something pretty innocent, something the reporter did at a previous company, and that was the lure to get him in. Once the operative and reporter met, the operative tried to get the reporter drunk and record him saying something racist. I have my feelings on this, but I've been talking for a bit, so why don't you guys chime in? What, what did you guys think of the podcast? So, uh, number one, there's a, there's a character in there. The guy's name is Igor, and he's the one that ends up doing the, uh, he's the whistleblower or, you know, spy versus spy type of thing going on. He's the good guy in this story, right? Like, he, he's, he's tracking these folks, these girls reporters and coming out and it's like wait a second like why am i following him and, and puts two and two together and it's like oh my gosh like i'm going against or i'm working basically for Hi, uh, harvey weinstein which is something he probably didn't want to be you know associated with so number one that dude's pretty rad i have nothing but respect for him on it to, to actually play that that hand uh side note like if i ever like have a movie based upon me i want eeyore to be like my inner voice i think uh I like the way he talks. Hello, my friends. So anyways, um, but all right. So number, the second thing I got out of it was the, the discrediting people by trying to get them to say something racist or anti-Semitic. And it's so screwed up, right? Like you, you have these girls that are victims, sexual, you know, predicate, uh, sexually abused or whatever you want to call it, victims. And all they got to do is just get you to say something to discredit everything. That's just so jacked up in life, right? You have these, I don't know. I just feel bad for the women in this. Luckily, this guy was like not stupid or maybe he just isn't that type of person anyways uh, to give into it. And I thought probably the, the craziest part was like the concept that this reporter thought that they had a dossier on him. And it was the context of like he picks up the phone to, to start to schedule this meeting and the dude immediately starts talking to him in French. And like no one knows that he can talk French. But this guy knew and he's like, wait a second, that's a that's like China. That is a giant red flag. And so uh, during some of the things like the guy was saying, um, he was trying to get him to agree or laugh at like how, uh, Af you know, African-American population or black people that speak 
French do it in a different dialect or I have no idea. I didn't really catch on to that. I think he'd have to be able to speak French and he was, he just wasn't going for the bait at all, but you know, good for him. What'd you think of it? Glenn? I, kind of like murder mystery is like, is this real? Does this, does this actually happen on, on American soil? And I, I guess it does. Right. I mean, if you, if you think of the ways that people do things and, the amount of money that was spent, I don't think we ever got down. I don't think they ever got down to who the clients were, according to Igor. But you can almost connect the dots from that from that from those steps, right? Um, the the fact though that he turned this around and they tried to get him for me is like when they when they tried to get him to take the lie detector test. He's like, "Who the hell am I?" You know, in his in his best Russian New Yorker accent, like, "Who the hell am I? I'm I'm nobody. I'm just a private investigator. I don't have any money from this. I, how how dare you think that Americans?" And I, and he was actually says, "Is me as an American?" And I'm like, "Dude, you've got the thickest Russian." russian new york accent and you're identifying yourself as an american go you that is freaking awesome right yeah and uh yeah i thought that was pretty cool but it it is it is a crazy world that we live in and i say crazy a lot but to think that things like this happen to people is even more insane yeah i think one of my favorite things was uh not my most favorite but the the interviewer was like hey uh hey igor like how do you know if someone's actually tailing you? And he's like, oh, it's simple. He's like, you just, uh, you go into McDonald's drive-thru. See who's following you. I'm like, all right, like this dude, <laughs> number one, like I throw it back to our last podcast, right? Like I, if we want to cure obesity, just give me USB and let me go work at McDonald's. We'll end that thing. But, you yeah. know, apparently for, uh, to, to uh, allure a, a, a tail, McDonald's is a staple in Igor's uh, feather for sure, <laughs> or cap, excuse me. Yeah, that and, you know, he was, what else did he say for that? Going on and off the freeway and, yeah. Yeah, going on on and off and then drive into a parking lot and then drive into a parking lot lot right away. Yeah, yeah. And then come out the other side on a long, on on a, in the, in the avenues, right? So I I thought that was pretty ingenious. I think the part that's intriguing to me, and Glenn, you alluded to this, is, is just how little oversight these private intelligence firms have. And I think the way Black Cube sort of insulated themselves, they they hired local contractors like Igor and like his boss in, in the podcast to in New York to carry out the espionage. So tracking people's locations using the text message trick or you know, recording conversations without consent. And I think that's that's the way that Black Cube sort of insulated themselves. And it, as it turns out in the story, they did. They made Igor's boss, the fall guy, that Black Cube's like, hey, we had no idea what this guy was doing. We gave him a job and you know he he did some illegal things to get that job done and we we didn't sign off on that we didn't co-sign on that and i think that's just how they they get around to it and when i when i heard the story about you know trying to get these these accusers to back off uh one of the things that came to mind for me at least was um and i guess you know bless his soul he's he's gone now but um, one of kobe bryant's accusers for the the case against i think it was the was it the hotel maid or a waitress or something where she had this case against him and then some evidence came up that uh, sort of discredited her and then she dropped the criminal case but pursued the the civil case so it makes me think like was it one of these private intelligence firms that dug into like really with a fine-tooth comb went into her past or tried to get her on the record of of saying something that would force her to back off at least on, on the criminal side of it it does make you question that hey i had a question for both of you guys so Igor was like told, hey, just show up over here. And the the method of tracking people was like, uh, you know, the crazy text message. Like, hey, 
you know, but press one for, you know, pictures of crazy cats and two to, to opt out. To me, that's just an SMS text, right? Just clear text. How are they actually tracking the location of the target from that? Does the carrier actually provide like telemetry of where the person is? I'm sure behind the scenes, there's some type of triangulation that can be used. It's not too hard. Well, first of all, the SMS system is completely broken. There's there's no encryption. It's it's totally unsecure. Uh, you can spin up a telco called Brian's cell phone company that you automatically get access to this SS7 backend system. So very little oversight, very little control over over what they have. And it would I think it would have to do with the the towers uh, that it pings off of that this message was sent. It was sent off this tower. You know, this tower was also in range. And then you can sort of triangulate. You can you can at least know, you know, is this guy in Manhattan? Is this guy in the Bronx? Is this guy in his home or in his office? And then from there you can start at least knowing where he is and then use traditional spy tradecraft to, to try to locate him. But I, I mean, we get taught a lot not to respond to, to unknown SMS messages. Are they really that smart to, to respond? No. And send that back and be like, no, I'm not going to respond to that. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I would never do that. Right. Maybe my dad. Right. So you know, my dad clicks on everything, so and he believes everything on the internet. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd fail to see that some of these people are so gullible that they would press two for no, and that sends a message back. I, like I said, that's odd. I think there's some level of social engineering involved in it, too. So it might not be exactly that. It might be like your repeated messages or harassment. And I know iPhone, at least, they have a, a filter that says, you know, filter on wanted messages or, or something. And Ronan Farrell might not have had that turned off, but, but he probably didn't think twice about it until stories like this come out and stories about other journalists being spied on. And then it, it, it's like, just to be a reporter, you have to have some level of cybersecurity awareness and cybersecurity training because you are, you are a target. If you're reporting against China, you become a target. If you're reporting against this private Israeli firm, you become a target and you need to be aware of the clever tricks that they try to get you to do yeah igor brought about a a really interesting comment right and sorry i I didn't know if you had a comment brian um but one of the was that he he, the the impression that that other countries have of u.s reporters is that they pay for their sources where that's really not true and maybe that's the case in europe or in other countries but i've never heard of U.S. sources ever getting paid on anything? Maybe I don't know. Have you guys heard of that? No, I haven't personally heard of it, and I don't know if that's uniquely American, but I, I think that introduces some level or that calls into question, you know, the journalistic integrity of Am I paying somebody to say something, or yeah. is this person coming of their own free will because they they want to do the right thing? And when you do start paying for sources, then that's that's when the waters get a little bit muddy now there's things like okay i'll I'll pay for your flight so you can come out here and interview with you it's i guess that's similar to how like when when we wine and dine customers is this reasonable or is this excessive so i think as long as it's something reasonable then i think that that's fine and yeah for from what i understand of american media yeah most of them are are are, their sources are not paid they just want to do the right thing yeah so i i don't know if they get paid but i i think there's some type of oversight or influence above them and 
there is this this lady. I I, I want to say that I actually grew up watching her uh, on the news. Her name was like Carrie Lake, and uh, she was on like Channel Three News in Arizona or something like that. And she came back. She basically posted on her Instagram. She's like, "Hey guys, I'm done. I don't feel like there's any integrity in our work. I feel like we're forced to say what we say, and like the the accuracy of reporting's done. Like they're, they're it's not there anymore." And she think I she believes that. She needed to take the step out of it, like literally give up the job and just call it quits because the integrity just wasn't there. And now she's actually trying to run for office. I'm not too sure what what seat or what or what capacity. But uh, after watching that, you just you you think, my God, like here's someone that I've probably watched on the TV for like 20 years. And she's coming out and saying, like, I'm being told what to say. So maybe she's not getting paid, but maybe somebody is. I have no idea. What's even more interesting, she's going into politics, which there's a lot of integrity there. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to get into politics, guys. I do apologize for that. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, side note, going back to the uh, the text message in one night. So I would think for all of our listeners, rather than question, should you reply, you know, stop to end or uh, two or whatnot. If you think if you don't want the message at all, and I don't know if this is an AT&T thing only. Uh, as that's the cell phone carry that I use, but you can take any number that sends you a message and you can forward it, that number to 7726. And uh, that spells out spam and that will block them from being able to hit you up again in the future. Yeah, on iPhone as well, uh, every iPhone has a built-in protection. You can block a number uh, as well. So if you get an unsolicited text message and you want to make it stop, you could either mute notifications or you can, there's an outright block as well. Bro, we're trying to crowdsource here. Don't one off. Yeah, it works, it works on Verizon too, apparently. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. I'm putting your guys' numbers in there, there, by the way. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to our next story. You guys remember what my two favorite things in the world are? Number uh, one, pizza, Chick Fil A, Domino's. <laughs> Chick Fil A, Domino's. <laughs> Okay, so besides that, my two favorite things are number one, stupid criminals, and number two, scamming the scammers. So this is going to be a, a scamming the scammers story. Brian Krebs has a write-up on his blog about a fairly common scam, but this time they're scamming the scammers, which I'm 100% behind. There's a website called Brian's Club. It's a cybercrime forum where hackers can trade stolen information such as credit card numbers, social security numbers, and other information used for things like identity theft. And Brian Club's, Brian's Club has no affiliation with the security researcher Brian Krebs, just the guys who run the forum really like trolling Brian Krebs. What happened here is some clever hacker bought ads on a popular search engine. So when unsuspecting people were searching for the legitimate Brian's Club website to find the site, the first and top result is a fake page owned by some hackers, not the real Brian's Club homepage. The fake page looks authentic, probably an exact replica of the Brian's Club site, except it has a different Bitcoin address than the legitimate website. When trafficking in stolen information, criminals prefer to use hard-to-trace cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin or Monero. You're not exactly going to accept PayPal when dealing with stolen goods. While the fake Brian's Club website has a Bitcoin address that has no affiliation with the real Brian's Club, and someone someone actually wrote to the writer Brian Krebs thinking that he owned the marketplace of stolen data, asking why his deposit of Bitcoin had not showed up in his account and when it would be reflected. Now, this is hilarious because the scammer trying, is trying to buy stolen information, presumably for identity theft, just got scammed. Well, this is hilarious since we 
can make fun of the scammer getting scammed. This is a real problem when innocent people get swept up in this. When the cryptocurrency exchange Binance took off, phishing sites bought ads on Google so that when someone searched for Binance, they would get an ad at the top of the page sending the user to a fake Binance page, which was a phishing site. Google would take down these ads eventually when they were reported, but not before a lot of people got their cryptocurrency stolen. This is like the whole, like, uh, I'm a drug dealer and someone stole my, my drugs and I called the police to help me out. Like, <laughs> uh, type of modality here. I, I'm really surprised that they went, went for this. Uh, speaking of, you know, ad revenue and whatnot, uh, I'm sure we all probably do this, but the other day me and my son were looking at, um, the percentage of DNS domains that are blocked that are associated to advertising. And it's something like 17% of all DNS traffic at my house is blocked. I don't know if you guys have similar statistics like that, but my wife hates it. She's like, oh, the game doesn't load the ad to give me blah, blah, blah to get more coins. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you. Sorry, but. (laughs) (laughs) Pay the 99 cents for the full version. Yeah. I don't have those statistics because, like you said, we have the Wi-Fi network, and then we have the Wi-Fi network, and the Wi-Fi network has to have 100% uptime. And I know using things like Pi-hole to block ads can really help but it can also break a couple things and then you got to go in log in and add something to the allow list so it's a, a little bit of a hassle there but you know for me personally i i have no qualms but i use adblock on my my phone i use the brave browser which blocks a lot of that that tracking stuff in brave's pretty cool but it'll show you counters it says this many trackers block this many minutes saved this much bandwidth saved um, I, I do really like the brave browser but i only use it for myself and i recommend it to anyone who will listen but i don't i don't force anybody to using in this house yeah i use um is it firefox focus a lot on my ipad when i'm just casually surfing uh simply because it's uh doesn't keep any of my browser history right so <laughs> but uh it's always fun knowing that uh there's no there's no content being saved anywhere or it's 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 all anonymous so yeah don't track me Good luck with that. I think we still get tracked one way or the other. I have a feeling that DuckDuckGo does some tracking there as well. I, probably, but when I use Firefox Focus and I'm looking for stuff, it never shows up in my in my Facebook account or in my Amazon. So I, there's there's got to be something there. Um, whereas if I if I know if I'm using Safari, it always shows up in my Facebook account. Like, hey, what what are you searching for? Like. I replace, you know, struts in my car. The next thing I know, Amazon has it, and 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 my Facebook account says, "Here's the struts you're looking for." And I'm like, "I didn't ask you guys to do this, right?" <laughs> Which is that content-aware sharing. So that, that that that's why I'm so into this, you know, reinstalling apps or setting the apps to not uh, not share content between applications. That's so huge for me now. It's just like I don't want you guys talking. If I want to use you, I'll use you, but you're not allowed to talk to anything else. So. So are, are there any sites that you guys block that your wife or kids have come up to you and like, hey, I can't get to this? Yeah, I've got a pretty lenient policy. Mine is more based off of malware. I don't care if they get to, you know, gambling or whatnot, but I do I do want to block the malware that's inside them. So I do use our, our company system to do that in a test environment. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have any sites explicitly blocked, but I do have the malware blocked. 
um, I think maybe just one one time in the last five years, we got a false positive on a it, the the security thought it was a phishing site. You know, I I verified it was a false positive, and then I lifted the the block on that. But, but yeah, f- about over five years, and I don't I don't think I've had any serious complaints. Yeah. I do get I do get a a call from the kids every once in a while saying, "Hey, I'm trying to get to my school's website, and the page is not showing up correctly, and it's just it's all it's all goobered up." So I'll go into SSL decryption and I'll bypass that one URL, and all of a sudden, magically, it'll start working again. So, but I always come back like a year later or six months later, and I just I clean it out and I see if they're still going there, and I don't ever get the complaint about that. So I think eventually they ends up getting resolved. It's good to do that policy review. Yeah, the first thing that ever came up at, at the Deach household was at the time my daughter was probably I don't know, let's do the math, uh, fourteen years old. She's like, Dad, I can't get out to the movie site that I used to watch movies. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? Because I had blocked that by default, no streaming. And then uh, yeah. Probably, I don't know, a short time later, my wife's like, Brian, she's like, I can't go to victoriasecrets.com. She's like, could you please make an exception? <laughs> and then, uh, so th- th- those were like the first two. And then uh, probably about a year later, my mother-in-law, who was convinced that the the, the Russians were after her, um, she she thought her iPad was infected. So she wanted me to put her on Zscaler. And I went ahead and did that. And then probably about a month later, she says, I keep getting blocked when I'm looking at medications. So I had a drug, like thing reference in there said so a you know bite uh give you know put a rule in there to allow her to be able to to do her own thing but not necessarily put the kids at risk yeah i think when the kids were younger uh when they were five eight nine ten twelve it was it was important that i try and get them you know from visiting sites that i didn't want them to get to like some adult sites um but now that they're older it's like hey, listen i don't care what you do you're going to do what you're going to do anyway but do it safely. Statistically so. speaking, the girls aren't going to be the ones doing that. It's it's always the boys. Yeah. Poor Chris, you have a lot to look forward to, buddy. So in my in my in my previous life, um, the we used a web browser isolation. So anything that was uncategorized, I threw into web isolation, uh, and that was actually fun. That saved a lot of headache of me getting calls in the middle of the you know when I was away at traveling. It's like, hey, this site's not working. I'm like, uh, shouldn't anymore. And then, you know, throwing them into web isolation, that actually solved a lot of things. That that was, I thought that was actually pretty cool. And that's a great use case for a lot of that uncategorized URL, those uncategorized URL sites. Agreed. That and uh, if from a corporate perspective, I always talk about uncategorized or personal email. Those are pretty pretty much the two big ones. What about you, Chris? Are you yeah. talking about anything else? Yeah, typically that's typically what we see un- uncategorized miscellaneous um, sites, j- just so you can still go there, but knowing that they're high risk and getting a even getting a caution page that says this this website could potentially be risky. Don't type in your email and password on here, and if it's like an Office three sixty five phishing page, then it looks pretty convincing. But you got that warning that says this is not official. I think that's that's a good use case there to, to just warn people about it. I'm going to pivot a little bit, right? And if you think about, you know, and I apologize for this, Chris, if you look at our customer sets in the Bay Area and our, even for the West Coast, they're, you know, they're all high tech. A lot of them have gone away from, I don't care if you, if you look at porn, right? I don't care if you, what you do during your day, if you do gambling or whatever, right? Just get your work done. I don't care when you do it. 
a lot of it has really pivoted away from URL content filtering and just gone to just malicious content in general, right? Like, hey, I'm trying to stop the bleeding as far as, you know, going to personal email, like you said, Brian. And, and from that matter, like I can't stop their getting them from personal email, but the whole idea is like, what layer can I put inside there that helps address that? And I think that's where cloud browser isolation works well. So that's my little, my little two cents. Yeah. It's happy compromise. Still letting users go to these sites. So you're not blocking them from seeing it, but doing it in a safe way so that no malware gets installed on your computer. Yeah. And, and such a shift from my previous, you know, company or my previous life where we're not going to let you get to gambling.com. We're not going to get you to allow you to get to LGBT because that's just really dangerous. And I'm like, what in LGBT is dangerous? Come on, guys, let's be honest here. Like what in marijuana is, is dangerous? What in <laughs> drugs? Like, seriously, do we have this problem? So, yeah, I, I'm so glad I, I, I live on the West Coast now and not somewhere that's super uber crazy about blocking those types of things yeah i'm seeing the same thing here in in my patch that literally just allow your users to do whatever they want but just protect them against the threats and the that and the persistent threats and apts and stuff like that yeah i think that's at least from the perspective of a lot of security departments that that's the huge headache that's the problem the the malware the unwanted programs the re-imaging of laptops and they I would I would say in the past they went hand in hand that some of these uh, unscrupulous underground websites tended to host malware more often, but I think there's there's been a shift um, of of more freedom at work, especially with with work from home that you're you're no longer in the office. So if you're viewing something inappropriate, someone doesn't have to look at it from from over your shoulder. Now that you're you're at home, you can do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. We're just going to allow you to do it in a in a safe manner. Well, no, that's your, it's your home internet too, right? So sorry about that, Brian. No, well, you, this is kind of wild. So we had a customer, um, literally they had a URL filtering rule for every single user for the domains that they're allowed to get to, right? And like looking at the blue code config, they're like, yeah, it's like uh, the export of it, it's like, you know, 250,000 lines long. And I'm like, this is going to blow your mind, but I think you should have like five rules total, maybe 10. And they like... You can almost hear their jaws drop in the phone. Like, that's not how things are done. Uh, and lo and behold, they went for it. And like, and if you think about this from a performance standpoint, like how much quicker that has to be when you're not falling down to the bottom rule of a, of a configuration like that. This is insane to me that people actually had uh, permission based on, a, based on an exception. Like, you're allowed to go here, but not there. And you think about all the, like, yahoo.com and all the various... Uh, content that they pull in from other sources like that talking about painting yourself into a corner jesus yeah yeah well, all just, the cdns now all the third-party ads all the javascript all the code yeah that's it, it becomes a completely unmanageable and i think that's where it goes to right is like who manages that who's going to sit there and manage one applet off of a yahoo web page and and it's like guys you're, you're you're going overboard you're looking at this the wrong way like it should be threat based, especially today. Everything should be threat based, and not because you just don't want them to get the content. Because people are going to get the content, you know, on on other devices mm -hmm. or on other methods, right? So allow them to do more; they'll be happier. But the less time yeah. they spend circumventing, getting around block pages, the more productive they're going to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, Brian is up. 
Alrighty, team, you ready to blow your minds? Here we go. A buddy of mine named his dog Five Miles. That way, he could say that he walked five miles that day. Today, <laughs> he ran over five miles. It's a doggone shame. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> All right, let's wrap things up. Private intelligence firms are a thing, and their existence should terrify you. In identity theft, scammer gets scammed. Many companies are allowing more freedoms these days, as long as you do it in a safe manner. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Can help us grow the podcast by telling someone about it we appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show the best way to find us is to search for the pebcac podcast on your favorite listening app itunes spotify google podcasts TuneIn, stitcher and now amazon and audible for my co-host brian deach and glenn medina i'm chris lloyd thanks for listening we'll see you all next week and as always have a nice day I'm hungry. I'm going to go get me some Domino's or some McDonald's. Thanks, guys. Later, boys. See you all next week. <laughs>